Welcome to the Atlas Project. It's a new world. To navigate it, we need new maps. Each episode, best-selling author Chris Katana and Scott Jones saw 50,000 feet above the immediate headlines in politics, economics, science, and society. The Atlas Project aims to reveal the big picture of where humanity is headed and the choices we all need to face. Chris, good morning, my friend. Good, good morning to our listeners. Oh, good morning, Scott. It feels like it's been uh, it's been a few days too many since uh, since we've worked out in uh, in the Atlas the Intellectual Gymnasium. Yeah, it is. It is. I'm here in the failed state. <laughs> we have jet. We have hit over four million cases now of COVID nineteen, and our death rate is over one hundred and forty thousand. So it's uh, it's stark that uh, what was the statistic? Something like one quarter of all deaths from COVID in the world. Um, you know, but only about four or five percent of the world population. Right. And we make up a quarter of the deaths. Yeah, I've heard that stat. Yeah. We're number uh, one. USA. Sobering. Sobering. I mean there's I and you know it's I mean I under, I understand obviously you spend so much time paying attention to what's going on in the US. I mean that's where you are. Um and I guess the rest of the world does by default just because, you know, your news is so interesting. Um that's one word for <laughs> Well, yeah, to put a really insensitive word on it, but there is also so much um, happening here, uh, you know, in the UK, in Europe, back in Asia, you know, in Africa and Latin America. Um, it's it's you know like the kind of you know just just giant events that people stare at in disbelief are are happening all over the world right now. It's. Um, it's it's almost you know confusing to know where to look and and what to pay attention to um, when there's so much that that you could um, and I always kind of have this fear around you know what aren't we paying attention to when you know when our attention gets taken up by um, you know kind of the big bright flashy objects in front of us um, you know, especially you know I guess one because you know we're in a moment where clearly one of the big you know, sober lessons is, you know, big stuff was happening that we weren't paying attention to. We're also in a moment where because so many, you know, if you will, regular patterns have been interrupted for people, um, there is so much that we can see right now that you can look around and discover, um, you know, just because you can look at so many things with a new clarity. And uh, and and so it, it, it just becomes like that much more agonizing <laughs> this this gap between what we we could be paying attention to what we probably should be paying attention to and uh you know and 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 the little bit that we are which is probably not the stuff that would be most valuable to pay attention to yeah i mean it's confusing too because right you were i mean the pandemic is really serious and it's and it's global and yeah you're right like it is you know from a u.s perspective the, the world is kind of moving on you know, there's a lot of places in the world that, you know, for instance, New Zealand has completely licked it. I mean, now, I mean, that's easy, I guess, if you're Middle Earth, you know, you get Gandalf and the people that fit. But I mean, and you're an island and you can you can keep travel off and stuff. But I mean, you look, even the UK comparatively is is not doing as well comparatively to some other, you know, um, advanced industrialized nations and stuff. So it's, a, you're right, it's a weird thing, but you're right. The other, there are other countries that are, 
because they, they've dealt with this better, life is a little more normal. It's hard to, it's hard to reacclimate to figure out, you know, it, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, they say that, um, I've heard this anecdote. I've heard pilots say this when they're learning to fly, um, when they're first in cloud cover and they're adjusting, 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 and they're not kind of trusting their instruments and they come out of a deep cloud cover and they're flying upside down and they didn't know it because they're making oh subtle adjustments. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I, I wonder about that analogy right now is, is, are we kind of flying upside down? We don't know it because mm-hmm. the, you know, and, and, and also, I mean, I just think here, I mean, the media bias is, 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 I don't think as much as a liberal skew as it's, it's, it's biased toward laziness and sensationalism. And so I, th- that's the other thing I think that we're not very well equipped to deal with crises because we're not getting, because we're getting kind of sensationalized information in ways that sort of, you know, um, again, it's just, it's, it, it, in this country, it just becomes so tribal and so, and so partisan, which is remarkable to, again, my Canadian friends who, I mean, I count you as one of them, even though you're in the UK now, but you are of Canadian origin. Just look, they're just astounded at how we can deal with a crisis in this sort of politicized tribal way, but we do. And it's a, it's a weird, yeah, I mean, it's a weird kind of, kind of time to be alive in the United States of America. There's uh, I feel for you, man. Um, we all do. There's, there's something in what you described that, you know, also connects to, um, you know, why base camp and why we gather at base camp, why we're getting together on Saturday to, to ask a question that is, you know, deeper and richer than the media headlines. Um, and, and I think it, you know, maybe it goes down, it goes to this kind of basic insight that maybe we're, we've been asking the media to do what it's not set up to do. Right. It kind of, so this presumption that the role of the media is to, inform us and present to us the stuff that we should be paying attention to. Um, but that's, you know, that is a very tiny part uh, of, of its incentives to actually deliver on that objective. And, and we'd probably be you know, kind of safer if we you know, had a more critical view of the role of the media. And the role of the media is not to, you know, help us pay attention to the stuff we should be paying attention to. <laughs> the role of the media is to increase audience share, right? It's, you know, the, the practical incentives that, that, uh, that drive what, what is in the news are, are very different uh, and very far from the question of, you know, what if we paid attention to these things, it would maximize our well-being. You know, it would help us to flourish. It would help us to endure. And I think that's why we, we, we do need to, you know, create and hold whole new spaces for ourselves where, where there can be that kind of intention and that kind of incentive. That the reason that we are here in this space is to ask the questions that aren't being asked, is to consciously focus our attention where we think it would do us all some good rather than sort of wait for the next dumpster fire. And then I'll look at that. You know, I, 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 I think that, and, and I just think, you know, as growing up, we, we, you know, we, we do kind of grow into a, a naive sense that the role of the media is to do this stuff for us when really it's not, you know, maybe that is the role of the public broadcaster is to try to do that. But that's, that's, you know, a small corner. Of right, right, is. right. It does, it does change it when you take the corporate interest out a little bit. Right. I mean, it, it kind of, because then there is a different sentiment. People in this country said, you know, that basically 
there's this debate that when they the public kind of gave the networks the airwaves that they should have required an hour of like non-commercial news kind of stuff, you know, which is interesting. I mean, if they had done that, but they didn't do that. And so, yeah, it, it is. I think you're right. It is important to find, you know, I found that, I, you know, I've had some interesting conversations over the past few months with people that I think are good observers of the world. And and several of these people are involved in Basecamp, actually. And, and I've developed friendships with them. And it's been a kind of life-saving kind of thing in that uh, it's good to be able to talk about things at a level, like you're saying, that are deeper and where we're not. I mean, I think that in the United States, the kind of tribalism and the kind of reactivity, right, there's an incentive to fuel that, right? Because the more tribal you are, the more you want to get on cable news and see your side pummel the other side, right? And so, so again, this becomes like masks versus this versus the, was it, hydro, I forget that drug that they were saying could be successful. and Hydroxychloroquine. Um, hydroxychloroquine, right, right, right. Hydroxychloroquine, just take that and a little bit of bleach and you're fine. Uh, but, you know, but there's some studies that have come out saying that it is useful if you get it at a certain stage, right? And so, of course, the, the left is outraged because, well, we, that, but Trump supported that. And if, you know, you know, like, it, it, you know, it's it's just like people are like not wearing masks because like I'm with Trump and I'm not wearing a mask because of that. Or the left is like, it doesn't want to uh, uh, play up this study because, well, Trump said that drug's reliable. We can't, you know, it, it's just kind of, it's just maddening. I mean, it, it's a, it's a, and it's exhausting. I mean, it's kind of uh, just even participating in that kind of culture is exhausting. Right. So, you know, so that's interesting. But I mean, what you're basically saying is that, um, you know, a lot of the media scape uh, is, especially if we're talking about news, quote unquote, the news, it's, it's a, it's a contest for power, right? Yeah. That it's the terrain where power is being contested. Um, you know, social media is uh, a contest for audience, right? It's a terrain where eyeballs are being attracted. And, 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 and just fundamentally, the, the, I mean, not judging those purposes, but the mistake, I think, is to, um, to think that these terrains are, uh, have the job to um, not just inform us. It's not about informing. It's about what should we be paying attention to? Where are we paying attention? Um, and I think it's kind of like that is, and, and so it's not their role, right? Their role is to get our attention, not to help us to, you know, pay attention somewhere. Um, and, and so it's, you know, it's fundamentally different, right? It's serving that interest rather than serving mine. And, and, you know, somewhere we do need to have, I think for all of ourselves, the place that we know we go to, attend to what is going to be helpful, what is going to be nourishing, uh, what is going to help me to flourish. Because you just sort of, I don't know, in, in my head, and I know at you know, previous base camps, we've kind of even drawn the picture. Like there just seems to be this sort of basic truth of the human con condition that the world is infinitely complex. Yeah. You know, my capacity to make sense of that complexity, to pay attention to it is finite. And so there's going to be a gap. There's always going to be a gap. Um, you know, you see it um, anytime, you know, any scientist, social scientist makes a model of something, um, you know, the model is always missing something. And generally, when the model doesn't work, it's because it's missing something out there in reality that was relevant, but wasn't put in yeah, the model. Yeah. Right. And this is always what happens with, with models. It's the same thing with our attention, right? We, we can't attend to it all. We're paying attention to something. And the question is, is that something the thing that is going to help us to, you know, 
make the right choices, be prepared, stuff like that. And, you know, it probably it's no more than by coincidence <laughs> if it happens to be um, the uh, the media that I'm that I'm consuming. Yeah. And I think the thing about those spaces, that's interesting. Uh, I mean, there's a purpose behind them. right? I mean, there's a book that came out. Oh, gosh, not not that long, two years ago. But um, it was by Alan Jacobs, who's a pretty prominent public intellectual here, teaches at Baylor University. And it's called The Year of Our Lord, 1943, Christian Humanism in an Age of Crisis. And basically what he was writing about is people like these people like Jacques Mar- uh, Maritain, T.S. Eliot, C.S. Lewis, W.H. Alden, Simone Weil, all these people, they, they had this sense that as the war was coming to an end, that the culture needed to be rebuilt. And they took this very seriously. And they had these kind of fellowships of people like, you know, meeting together and contemplating this sort of stuff and thinking about how to have a flourishing human culture in light of the post-war period. And this was something, again, that they were attending to with, with real deliberation. And they were really, again, some of the best minds of, of, of their time. And I think, again, these are people that were floating way above the headlines and um, were, were trying to figure out how to reshape democratic society. And they, they saw that as this kind of something that they had to steward. They had a stewarding role. And I, I think that that's something that you're right, is important that you, if you care about, you know, flourishing. And again, this is what I think is the beauty of Basecamp. And if you're listening for the first time, we'll, we'll, I'll put some info about Basecamp in the show notes, but it's a kind of community that convenes right now. We're convening online. And although the group has met in person twice, but it's a global kind of interdisciplinary community of people from all over the, the world and do, doing all sorts of things that are concerned about the big questions that would help us negotiate a rapidly complex world. And it's a group that's kind of convinced that through intentional kind of conversation and listening and asking questions together, and again, doing it in community that we're, we, that will make new maps that'll help us navigate the world, especially in these kind of rapidly changing and troubling times. So it's a great community, and, and I think it's one of those things that that it's hard to find, right? It's something. It's I mean, that's that's one of the reasons you had to, you had to help create it, right? <laughs> because again, a lot of people would like to have a community like that in their lives, but don't have one because it's you can't just kind of go on a, a personals ad and say, hey, I'm looking for some questers to ask questions and help make maps. <laughs> like it's not, It doesn't really work that way for some reason. Yeah. And I think, you know, just what, it, what became clear to me listening to you was, you know, so if you can't rely upon somebody else to make meaning for you, I can't just consume what you give me, uh, then does that mean I have to make meaning for myself? And that that is a lot of work. Um, you know, and we don't have a lot of time for the most important questions. That's the most but, challenging but, thing in late modern society. Yeah. Making meaning I, I, yourself. <laughs> right, right. And so I think that, you know, part of how we address that challenge is we make it easier on ourselves by saying, like, well, you don't have to do it by yourself. Actually, we can make meaning together. And, you know, leading up to this, uh, this base camp on Saturday, I don't know if you saw the video. We should put a link to it on the Facebook page. But I, I provided just like a kind of three-minute video on essentially how to have an original thought. And how to make meaning for yourself. And, uh, you know, he said there are really three steps. For step one is have a good question. Because that's how you kind of focus your attention somewhere, uh, is on a good question that, you know, that kind of invites exploration. So we always spend a lot of time and energy crafting and, and getting to a question that's worthy of a global community of people taking some time to, to attend to together. Um, but, you know, then step two is to have a conversation with somebody about that question. 
it's it's the easiest way to start to understand the world is to connect with someone, get outside your own head, and use that question to kind of find and create a common space to explore together. Um, and 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 to me, there just seems to be kind of something fundamental there, you know, in in the art of conversation that probably isn't fully appreciated how 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 important conversation is for each of us as a as a sense making as a meaning making um device as as a tool to create connections that help us you know even though i can only make sense of a tiny part of the world if if we've all got a piece of the whole and we are able to meaningfully connect then i think that's how we how we manage to if you will cover more territory um by covering it together and just you know coming together in a way like we all understand that none of us sort of has the privileged position we've all got a piece and it's hard to know in advance who's got the most important piece you kind of only tend to know that in hindsight so you come into a space you know really looking to connect in order to help one another assemble the pieces and then I think you come out of those spaces with a bit more sense of sovereignty over over what you're paying attention to, and that it's le- it's not just coming from you know what is in the headlines, what is at the top of the newsfeed. It's also coming from, if you will, kind of from below, from the human from the human layer of intelligence that I'm surrounding myself in, that is kind of saying like, oh yeah. We, we, I do need to pay more attention to that. Yeah, it's the difference also between information and imagination, right? Because I think that um, we're we're overwhelmed with information being thrown at us, and and again, the the amount of data available, sheer data through things like the internet, like it just it just exponentially is increasing all the time. So, I mean, the challenge isn't so much information, right? Because anybody with um, a smartphone or something can get information. The question, I think, is imagination, right? How do you have the lenses to see reality in imaginative ways where you can chart new maps and new ways forward and get out of sort of cul-de-sacs and sinkholes and things like that? And again, it's the imagination aspect where I think people coming together asking intentional questions, right? like asking how we make our way together. I mean, that it's the imaginative thing that's so powerful. It allows us to, to then go and re, revisit information in more constructive and healthy ways. Hmm. And maybe, you know, maybe that is kind of part of the, you know, back to your, back to your, uh, your reference to, uh, what was it? The year of our Lord, 1943. 1943. Yeah. And, and, and this kind of the, the, the work of cultural evolution that is in front of us. Um, you know, there, there is so much work in front of us. Um, right now and it, and it feels like you know that that could be the work is is to you know th- there is this i think opportunity to to really um turn to one another through through this pandemic event and to to recognize how much how much work we can do to to imagine um how you know how we can do better than we did getting into this which i guess is also why you know brings me right back to the importance of um, you know, consciously asking the questions that, you know, together we feel are important. Um, because it, if we're not doing that, then, you know, instead of imagining the future, the future is just going to become like the conversations that are, that are being shoveled at us right now. <laughs> 
Um, you know, the conversations yeah, happening yeah. now become baked in and, and, and to go back to, to your world, you know, you can, you can clearly see it, right. The, the way that, um, because of the political stakes this year, um, you know, the, the population is being drawn into like this, this is the conversation we want you to have, or this is the debate that we want you to have. Okay. Everybody having that debate. And now that you're having that debate, you can almost see the future unfolding. Right. You get people saying, like, you know, if we don't fix this, then people are going to start seceding from the union. And then you get people saying, oh, yeah, maybe we will secede from the union. And then, and then you secede from the like we, we can either we can either bake in the future by what, um, you know, what we uh, are, are told to pay attention to and are are, are kind of manipulated to pay attention to. Um, or we can try to, you know, try to kind of gain our own leverage in that. And step away from that, and 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 more consciously attend. Yeah, and I, I think that's I think that's that's absolutely right. And it, it is. I mean, that is the challenge. You you hit the nail on the head, right? That's the challenge. It's the gravitational pull factor, right? That you that the gravitational pull towards the kind of I think description of events that's largely unhelpful and largely polarizing and not constructive. I mean, the pull, it's, it, it's just so powerful. And that's, again, the, this is where something, the communities like Basecamp are helpful because when you're not alone, you know, like uh, you're, you've got a better chance for survival, right? Like when you're, when you're, when you're getting pulled out in a riptide, it's nice to have a, a, a swimming buddy that <laughs> can help pull you out. And I think that that, I mean, that's the value. And, and so it's interesting too, because for Saturday, our question that we'll reflect on, right, is I think, what are you willing to give up? And I think it's a great question. And I think it, because it's, you know, we have an opportunity to figure out what's unnecessary uh, in, 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 in Western culture and beyond and in global culture. There are the things I think that it's, it's, it's a strange sequence of events where you have the pandemic and then a, a sort of an American kind of eruption around race relations and police brutality that's actually gone global. I mean, there's kind of, you know, it's 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 become a world concern um you know i've seen protests all over europe and stuff like that and so and in canada so i mean i think there's there this is this rare time to 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 like so it's almost like we've seen an x-ray of of some things in the culture that the confluence of these events has brought out and and you ask like well you know what could we give up what what are some things that because we all had to give up some things because of stay-at-home shelter orders like you know gyms or pubs or these things you know religious services and things like that but then it's a question of what if we didn't do it simply because there's a pandemic and we're trying to slow the spread of the virus but what if we actually intentionally sort of said what could we give up for the flourishing of the whole and i think that's just such it's such an interesting pregnant question right like because it because it affects everyone and everyone can do it like everyone has that kind of agency everyone has the agency to participate in the question, right? We all can make decisions. I mean, on different scales, but but it's not like anybody's excluded from the the question and the process of embracing it. I I have to go in a couple of minutes, but I I, I agree that you know one of the things that we're learning as we sort of try to you know reclaim our own attention through good questions is is what counts as a good question. Um, and I think a couple a couple things are coming clear. One one is it's timely, right? Now is a very timely moment to be, you know, stepping back and thinking about sort of our consumption habits, um, because we live in a consumer society, and and so much of our life is about 
consumption. And, and, and here is this pretty extraordinary moment where so many consumption habits have been interrupted. Um, and so now is a, a timely moment to ask a question about like, well, what, what are those habits and what do they do for me? And, and, and what are the trade-offs that I haven't been aware of? And all of that, right? It's timely. It's relevant. And then I think the other thing about a, a good question is, as you said, it sort of, it, it, it invites many layers or many levels. I mean, if the question is, what will I give up? I can, there's a personal dimension to that question around, you know, what, what nourishes me and what, what actually leaves me feeling tired? Um, you know, I, I can explore it on a personal level. There's also kind of a moral question there, right? I mean, isn't, why, why should we give anything up? Isn't abundance a good? Is, is, is the question of what will I give up a, a kind of exclusive? like exclusive or elite question? What about those who live in scarcity? Like there are all sorts of moral dimensions for, 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 for people who, who are strongly attending to those things. You know, there's also a kind of big society question around. There is this latent assumption that, you know, if you have the means, then you should be able to consume whatever you want, whatever you want. And now is this interesting opportunity to, you know, question even that. Um, like, will we go back to that? Should we be able to go back to that? Does there does there need to be something larger that weighs upon upon the, these choices that we make? I mean, these are you know, and and so I think a good question helps us to connect with with people who are you know are, are sitting around that fire and have a very different perspective on it. Um, but but that we can all offer something to that question. Uh, in a way that makes the conversation richer. Um, you know, some it's questions are very kind of one-dimensional. And it's you, interesting to note, this is why Pla Plato wrote in dialogues, right? I mean, this is not an accidental choice, that he preferred conversation to just the written word, because there's a dyna dynamism in conversation, he thought, that you could really embrace and, and get at. You know, so you look at somebody, like, you know, just a basic question in, in the Republic, what is justice? And then the thing unfolds. So it's like, the dialogue has a capacity to do some things like that for us. So I'm looking forward to Saturday's dialogue, my friend. So, oh, thanks so am I. Yeah. Thanks, thanks for there. this conversation. Sorry I had and to break it off fast, but uh, glad we could just connect. Yeah, this is excellent. And I will see you soon. Little great styles thinking. Talk to you soon. Yeah, man. Bye. Thanks for listening to The Atlas Project. We'd love to hear your feedback. Drop us a line or send us a message on Facebook. If you really like what we're doing, please rate us on iTunes and write a review. It helps so much as we're just getting off the ground. Thanks for listening and facing the new world with us. <laughs>